we, we had grow groups this weekend. On the, the first Sunday of the month, we have grow groups. We've been having them here in the church because of the pandemic. And so we just split up here in the church and make sure we, we're all separated and get to go to our groups. Uh, and uh, Pastor Kirk is doing an awesome job with, with our group that we're in and uh, had a great time Sunday night. I'm just going to kind of piggyback on that. And the title of my sermon tonight is Growth of the Church. What's our slogan? Come grow with us. Come grow with us. Sounds inviting, doesn't it? Sounds real inviting. I told somebody, uh, I think it was Sunday, said, we grow where we're planted. And when God plants you somewhere, you need to blossom. And sometimes we don't want to blossom. We want to uproot and do our own thing and go somewhere else and try to get planted again. A lot of people end up dying that way. You're thinking, Pastor, what's going on in the church? Nothing's going on in church. I'm just, this, is, this is just a free nugget that I was sharing with somebody. We were talking about this. Because you see growth in someone when they're planted where God's put them. And so many times you say, well, why does that person not grow? They may not be where they're supposed to be yet. We have to understand that. Strong's Concordance says to grow is to enlarge or to increase. More than any other time in my life, the church world is in need of growth. And I'm not just talking about numerically. You hear a lot of people talk about that. And although numbers sitting in the pew, that's a good indication of how many souls you're ministering to, without a doubt. But you know what? When we grow spiritually... That's what we're looking for. Because when we're growing spiritually, we're going to go out and make disciples. That's our goal. They're great commission. We should be sharing the, the, the word. We should be sharing Jesus Christ and going out and making disciples. And when you make disciples, it's going to be another person sitting by you, another person in the church. It's going to fill the sanctuary. The numbers are going to count. But we need to grow on the inside. We need to grow on the inside. I do know in other parts of the world, there's a phenomenal numerical growth in the church. I heard about the country of Brazil. I was on the internet today looking at it back last February. They were filling stadiums in revivals in Brazil. They were. I think COVID-19 kind of shut all that down, but they were doing that. Um, in the New Testament, terms like multiplied and increased and added to is used to describe the church's growth of that day. And I want to just give you a few examples, and you call this my text if you want, but these are going to be some examples of what we're talking about. In the King James Version, Acts 6 and 1, it said, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, uh-oh, we see the word right there, multiplied, there arose a murmuring, a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. I'm not going to go into that, but I just wanted you to see the word multiplied there. When the number of the disciples were multiplied, we're to, be, we're to be multiplying disciples. We're to be sharing the good news of Christ and winning people to God and bringing them to the house of God. Now, I know that the popular thing nowadays is to go out and just invite people into church. That's good. How about just going up to them and asking them, what can I pray with you about? It's going to open a door that you can share Jesus with. Amen. Acts 9 and 31 said, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified 
and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Hallelujah. Acts 5.14. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. I like the word multitudes, almost as good as manifestations. And the miraculous. I love the word miraculous. Acts 2 and 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Daily, he was adding. Boy, he's got my scripture up there and everything. It's real blurry to me right now, but that's better. Added daily, multiplied, added. New King James Version of 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 says, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 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 When God multiplies, when God adds, when he gives the increase, wow, are we in for a blessing. Our church body is in for a blessing when he does that. And, and I'll say this right now. Sunday was a great crowd. And when, when the people just kept filing in, I thought to myself, did some bus break down out there and they were just letting people into the church? I mean, I, I thought maybe they needed food and water. We had so many in here Sunday. And then my next thought is, God, are we ready for this? God, are we ready for this? That's what we've been doing, getting ready. Getting ready for the multiplication. Getting ready for the added. Getting ready for the increase. And the Lord is bringing it and we're seeing it in our service. If it was God's will for the church to multiply to increase and to be added to then, I'm sure it's still the will of God tonight. Amen? His church needs to continue to grow daily, adding to the church. Unfortunately, what the church calls church growth today is usually church movement. Church movement. I was having a conversation with one of our deacons, and I was expressing my, my feelings about an individual years ago. So you're thinking, don't try to figure out who it is, because this was years ago, years and years ago, telling me, this is where God planted me to grow. I'm here to stay until they got mad at the pastor. It, I wasn't the pastor, so I can tell this story. Until they got mad at the pastor. And in one day, they changed churches. And me and that deacon was talking, I said, I just wondered for a second, did they pray and ask God, is this where I'm supposed to leave, this growth place? Am I supposed to go somewhere? Or was it just a feeling, he made me mad, he upset me, and instead of working through it like a church family should, I'm just going to get out of here. That's for free. That's not in the notes, but it, it just all come together this week and, and talking about this stuff. We as Christians, we need to mature. We need to mature. We heard it Sunday. We need to mature and realize when we're a little bit uncomfortable, when things are rubbing us the wrong way. You know what? God may be rubbing you the wrong way just to get you to be shiny. There's several areas where the church world needs to grow, and we want to talk about them tonight. Let me ask you, where do you think we need to grow? Hang on. Don't answer, though. Don't answer, though. Don't answer do you think we need to grow spiritually, numerically, or financially? Now you can answer. You can shout. All the above, that's a good answer. If you had to choose what's first, what would you say? We have such a spiritual church. I'm just saying. 
You're so, you're so spiritual. Spiritually is the correct answer. We need to grow spiritually, grow numerically, before we grow financially. And, and I'm going to tell you, when we grow spiritually, I, this is number one in my book, and it, it always has been. If we do that, I'm not worried about the others. They're going to follow. They can't help but follow. We have to grow spiritually. Of these three I just mentioned, spiritually, spiritual growth is exactly what we need. Whether I'm praying for my family or the church family or our country, I always pray for the spiritual needs first. I've been telling you in our love month last month how much I love you. I pray for you each and every day. And when I do, I pray, God, would you convict Shelly of her sins? Well, Pastor Drew, that's not very nice. She's the pastor's wife. And I say, God, convict me of my sins. Well, that don't sound right, but you're the pastor. You shouldn't sin. If my people would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways. He's not talking to sinners in that scripture. He's talking to me. He's talking to you and you and you and you, 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 you. So let's not get too holy. We disappoint God sometimes. I still love my kids even when they disappoint me. Right? Go to heaven poor. I believe you can go to heaven sick. But you can't go to heaven without being right spiritually. You can't go to heaven without sins being forgiven. Covered in the blood. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says you must be born again. Hallelujah. You must be born again. The church world has become a friendly seeker. Seeking friendly, friendly seekers. It's a popular term right now in the modern day church. What is seeker friendly church? According to Jesus Alive, it says seeker means someone who's seeking Christ. Well, that sounds good. That sounds good. Friendly means basically doing or saying nothing that would offend or drive the person who is seeking Christ away. Well, we got a problem with that one. The Word of God corrects and rebukes and it offends me sometimes. Don't look at me like you're holier than I am. Come on. God, I, I'll just tell you, today I was reading the Word of God, and while I was reading it, I was reading, and I don't even remember, I, I jump around and read, and I can't remember where I was at, and I, I want to say it was Isaiah, and, and he's talking about he's carrying a sword, and he's not just carrying a sword for the fun of it, he's fixing to dish, dish the medicine out from it, and I'm, I'm sitting there reading through that, and, and, I'm, and, and these prophecies, I'm like, Lord, Jesus. Save us, God. God, convict my heart that I don't come to that point. Lord, convict our church that we don't get to that point where we think we can just do whatever we want to do and it's going to be all right with God. I'm going to use one of my sons as an example, and I'm not going to tell you which one. But he's in school right now, grade school. In the last few days, he's decided he didn't, I don't, I don't know what exactly he's decided. I mean, I don't know if he's decided he's fixing to move out or what. I don't know what's going on. But uh, he decided he doesn't have to do his schoolwork like he's supposed to.
He was corrected, put back on a path, get back to your school. I'm not going to tell you how he was corrected, but we just corrected his path. Today, he's such a joyous ba- uh, a boy and, and had no problems out of him all day today. It's just been a, been a good day, Bo, with him. He's just he's like, Dad, can I, Daddy, can I do Daddy, can I do that? I'm just like, wow, that rod of correction does, does its business, doesn't it? I let the cat out of the bag. Sometimes God has to correct us. We don't like it, but it's part of growing. It's part of growing. But we're afraid of doing something that might offend him. I'm going to tell you, it offended my son. It offended him when I corrected him. We can't be offended by the word of God. We need to recognize it's out of love that God shares these things. It's out of love that God puts a shepherd here that will tell you the truth. Don't be offended at the, at the speaker that comes in, the guest speaker, or your pastor that comes in. If you're watching online, you have another pastor. Don't be offended by the word of God because it's God's love note to you, even if it's in correction. Amen. Since the 1970s, many fast-growing churches have emphasized creating a church environment that appeals to the unchurched. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of these aspects are simply related to music styles or casual clothing. How many likes to wear casual clothing? I do. I do. I like to wear casual clothing. I wear this so you guys are not ashamed of me. However, some changes can actually go too far, too far away from the distinctives of the church. For example, in their efforts to not offend new people, some churches have removed crosses from steeples and sanctuaries. Can I tell you, without the cross, there's nothing to be here for. Without the cross, there's no salvation. Without the cross, there was no blood, there's not going to be any bloodshed. Without the cross and what that cross meant, we might as well pack it up and go home, sell the building, put on our casual clothes. I'm just telling you. Others have removed communion from Sunday services. How many knows that the communion, God, it's one of his directives. You understand that? They've removed communion from Sunday services, instead celebrating it at another time uh, when only members would generally participate. Still other churches have shifted towards an emphasis on videos, music, drama, or other arts that incorporate elements of secular programming for the purpose of evangelism. Though perhaps well-intended, some of these changes may actually displease God in their attempt to please people. Now, don't go away from here and say, Pastor, don't believe in videos or dramas or anything like that. Absolutely not. I think all these are to be used. I think that whatever we can put our hands to and use for the kingdom, that's what we ought to be doing. But when it replaces the word of God, when it replaces the cross, something's wrong. The church is a gathering of God's people to worship the Lord, learn his truth, and grow in maturity among one another, compelling truth. Amen. Sister Joy, this past weekend, was telling us over and over about maturing. I was like, I am mature. Don't tell me I'm not. We need to mature. We need to grow in God. Amen. In the New King James Version, Ephesians 4 and 11, verse 12 also. 
And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The King James says, for the perfecting of the saints. The New King James Version says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. How many know we still need prophets, apostles, evangelists, teachers, preachers, pastors? We need these things. I posted something. I don't post a lot on Facebook, and I say that all the time. But it's just, it seems about once a week or so I'll I post something. But it's something that really tugging at my heart. And this thing about being accountable to people has really got out of hand. Nobody wants to answer to anybody. And I don't care if you're McDonald's you, and you get a, you a job and you never had a job before. You don't want to answer to your manager. That's the society we're living in. They want no accountability. And it just so happened, I read about Pepe Le, Le Pew today. How many knows who Pepe Le Pew is? Now he's being accused. We're talking like he's a real person. Now he's being accused. He's on trial for advocating rape. I'm just telling you. And why do they do that? It's because we need an excuse. There's got to be a reason this is going on. It's Pepe Le Pew. It's not Satan. It's not the enemy. It's Pepe Le Pew doing it. Let's kick him out of Looney Tunes. No accountability. You're thinking to myself, is that true? It's true. They took him out of a movie, uh, Space Jam 2, I think is what it is. And then they said they have no plans to put Pepe Le Pew in anything else. Yeah, I could care less. I don't care about Pepe Le Pew. I'm just seeing a trend here. No accountability. This is the reason why people did this. This is the reason why people... No, it's sin. Sin is right. Not because a cartoon character, a skunk, mistakes a cat for a skunk and goes to kissing on her. That's not the reason they start. They, they go and rape somebody. I'm just telling you. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. I believe that if we allow the Lord to work in us through the fivefold ministry that we just read about, there will be some basic changes in the saints of God that will bring about a spiritual growth needed to multiply the church, needed to increase the church, needed to add to the church. We need to be hearing the evangelists. We need to be hearing the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, and the teachers. We need to be hearing all of them for the equipping the perfecting of the saints and the work of ministry. Hallelujah. I believe that the need for growing in grace is something we, can, we cannot continue to ignore. Growing in grace. Strong's Concordance gives a definition of grace. Is graciousness as gratifying a manner or act, abstract or concrete, literal, figurative or spiritual? especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Then it gives a bunch more. Acceptable, benefit, favor, gift, grace, joy, uh, liberality, pleasure, thank, worthy, worthy. Peter says it like this in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. To him be the glory both now and forever. We have to grow in grace. My question is not, where is the unmerited favor of God? I'm not asking where the grace of God is, but where is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in our lives? We have to reflect 
the Word of God. We have to reflect what God's did in our heart, the grace that He's given us. Are we becoming more like Jesus as we live for Him? It's a question every Christian ought to be asking themselves. Am I more like Jesus today than I was last week, last year, last night? God help us. I, you know, I've, I've had times in my walk, I had to walk for Jesus minute by minute. Minute by minute. I wanted to tear somebody else's head off. Minute by minute. Jesus help me. Keep my hands in my pocket and not up their nose. God help me. Are we becoming more like Jesus? Are we becoming more like Jesus in our thoughts? In our talk? In our behavior? I was telling somebody uh, this week, they said, you know, talking about me crying all the time. I said, I didn't used to cry like this. I've opened something up I didn't intend to open up. There was a fountain in there I didn't know about. Brother Kirk, I, I didn't cry. I was the tough guy. I didn't cry. You, you hit me in the face. There may be a tear coming down, but it was on after that. I didn't cry. I told Shelly, I said, the closer I get to God, I said, I can't help it. The closer I get to God, the, tender my, the more tender my heart gets. And now I'm a big sissy that cries all the time. Lord, help us. Are we becoming more like Jesus? Our thoughts, our talk, our behavior, are we being sanctified? And is our attitude towards the unsaved? Are, are we looking at them in the right ways? Are we, are we looking at them like... It's never going to happen for them. They've tried before. We've seen it. It's not going to happen for them. Or are we trying to reach them in love? Are we praying prayers like God touched the untouchable? God, let me be like you. Jesus, let me be pattering my life after you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's one of my favorite scriptures because I seem to hear a lot of people talk about, it's not me. I'll ask them, well, did you do this or did you do that? Just asking simple questions. Have you been here? There? No, it's not me. I don't get into that. In the youth... We was pastoring in the youth. I used to tell the kids all the time, you're not you anymore. And they'd look at me like, what? I said, did you get saved? They said, yeah. I said, then you're not you anymore. You're a new creation. So don't tell me I can't stop cussing. Don't tell me I can't stop doing this. I can't stop doing that. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You can because he said you can. And you are a new creation. Old things pass away. Old things have to die. Hallelujah. Under the power of the Holy Ghost, old things have passed away. We're new creations in God. People want to hang on to their old me. But the word says we're new creatures. A new me. A new me that the potter has molded. I love that. The potter puts us back on the wheel. The old you is put on a wheel. You know, you've seen them potters do work that and everything. And I don't know how they do it. It's just incredible to set and watch. But they'll take this blob, put it on a wheel, and start molding it. And it's spinning. And it's, it's looking more and more like a bowl or a pitcher or whatever he's designing there. 
That's what God does to us. When we give our lives to him, we're a new creation in him. Old things have passed away. He put us back on the potter's wheel. He began to remold us and remake us. My old things are passed away. My old friends that pulled me down, I can't hang with them anymore. Well, pastor, come on now. You're supposed to be a Christian, a man of faith. You're supposed to be reaching out to the lost. Hear me and don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you can't share the word of God and your testimony with your old friends. Amen. But you can't spend your time with them and let you pull them back, pull you back right where you came from. Old lifestyles. Jesus gave a great example of this. Jesus ministered to the unbelievers and he didn't entertain himself and make him part of, of their he didn't make them part of his inner circle. He didn't go in and say, hey, you know, yeah, he went in to eat with sinners. But he didn't go in and say, hey, what's going on? Where are you guys going later? What, what's happening here? What, what's fun to do here in town? Where's the honky-tonk at? I just, I, you know, I just kind of danced around, but I finally went ahead and said, where's the honky-tonk? <laughs> Let, let's get to the honky-tonk, Jesus. That don't even sound right, does it? He went to the unbelievers, but he wasn't there to entertain them. He wasn't there to be entertained. He was there to share about his father. He loves the sinner, but not the sin. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, is what the word says. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so if we're meeting up with our old friends, it better be for one purpose, and that's to show them the way to Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes that's family. Sometimes that's hard. But I'm just telling you, you need to stay away from sin. I... I I'm not even going to go there. If we grow in grace, we will not want to look, act, talk, or be part of the crowd that denies Jesus as Lord. Hallelujah. We are God's temple that he's chose to dwell in. Boy, that's an easy one right there. If Jesus is dwelling in you and you're his temple, would Jesus be in that honky-tonk in you? Come on, I'm going to think all you guys are fixing to head out to the honky-tonk if you don't say Amen. Don't know where they're at, huh? Second Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Come grow with us is the slogan we use here at TFT. And we need the people of this house, of this tabernacle, to be examples of a mature Christian growing in grace. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean you deserved it. It was his unmerited favor. But you're growing in that unmerited favor. In that thing you didn't deserve, that love of God, you're growing in his love. Hallelujah. The very presence of a Christian should cause others to feel the spirit and the power and the love of Jesus. I can't convict anybody. I just tell you, I can't convict anybody. I can't convince anybody. But the power of God in me can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke 17 and 5 says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Strong's Concordance defines faith as persuasion, credence, moral conviction of religious truth or the truthfulness of God or a religious teacher. Faith. Dake's commentary said, this is a request that was granted to the disciples when they were anointed with the Holy Spirit in all fullness at Pentecost. There is a gift of faith all should pray for and covet. 
You can find that scripture in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and 8. And otherwise, faith comes by hearing of the word of God. And that's in Romans 10 and 17. Hallelujah. Our confidence and trust in God and his word must never be shaken. Even though we endure trials, tests, and afflictions and walk through darkness or dry places, we can't be shaken. Our faith can't be shaken. What we know to be true in our hearts. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. Wow. This is just tying in to our love month. Over and over and over, I keep seeing this word love. I love it. I love it. Amen. You can see by the word that everyone doesn't have the same degree of faith. We know that. We're all on a journey, and some of us may be on one level, and some of us may be on another level. You may be up here. I may be down here. We're all on a different level in our faith. I was talking to Brother Campbell one day, and he told me, he said, Brother Drew, he said, my faith for missions, he said, is that I don't have to see it because I already know it. I was like, say it again. He said, I don't have to see it. I already know it. He said, when I feel God press on me for a need and missions, he said, I already know it's done. I was just like, that, that's faith. He's speaking it is done, and he hasn't even seen it yet. Wow. Dake said, to grow, grows exceedingly, to abound beyond measure, to grow exceedingly healthy and fruitful as a good tree planted in good soil. Faith is one of the seeds of grace that should grow normally in everyone until he has a genuine work of faith with power. That's powerful right there. Luke 7 and 9 said this, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Hallelujah. We need to have that great faith. Speak the word. God, speak the word. Speak the word. Hallelujah. I remind you, that it is the faith that moves mountains. God is not moved by our need or our circumstances, but he's moved by our faith. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. While facing cancer, Peyton in the hospital, day by day grind, going to the doctor visits, staying in the hospital. We usually went on Thursday and we stayed the weekend. And occasionally they'd let us come back Monday and Tuesday, go back to the hospital on Thursday. It was a routine we got into and it wasn't any fun. It wears on you. It's taxing. And if you've been in the hospital a lot, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It wears on your mind. And it doesn't matter if you're the caregiver or the one that's sick. It wears on your mind. And you know what? That's just a playground for the devil. When something's going wrong, he wants to get right in the middle and keep working on the mind. Over and over and over. In that time, I walked into my dad's house. He said, how's it going, son? I said, it's going all right. I'm just getting ready. I got to go do this, this, this. And, and it was just, I was at that moment. And I just kind of leaned up against the chair and just started sobbing. And I just sobbed, cried. Poor Drew. It was quite a scene. Got my composure, wiped my eyes, sat up. I looked at my dad, and he was just looking at me. He said, Drew, God's not moved by your tears. He's moved by your faith. 
I was like, well, that's just rude. That's harsh. What's worse is my mom is sitting on the couch looking at me just going, what's a guy got to do to get a hug around here? No. I got the word. They said, your faith is what's going to move mountains. Your faith is what's going to heal cancer. Your faith in action is what God's waiting on. God cares about my tears. Dad said, God cares about my tears. He does. He understands my tears. But I, I was kind of given a kick in the pants and said, activate your faith. And I needed it. Once, once I got over the hurt of, of poor parenting by my mom and dad, well, then I realized, you know what? That was good stuff. I can tease them. They know I'm teasing. Hallelujah. Sister Joy came to the office Sunday. She said, your parents are awesome people. I told them, I said, what you see is what you get. They don't pretend to be a Christian here and go home and, and I had to deal with this or that. They were the same Christian. That's why I wanted to rebel against them because I wasn't rebelling against them so much as God because they were just quoting scripture at me. I was like, man, alive. I'll move on. Matthew 9 and 29 said, Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. Hallelujah. We need faith, folks. We need faith to move mountains. We need faith to see things happen that we can't see. And I love the song we sing, even when we can't see God working, he's working. That's faith. When we know God's working on something, we don't have to see it. We have that reassurance in our heart. He's doing it. It's according to his will, and he's doing it for us. Hallelujah. You, you, your faith or lack thereof will determine your success or your failures. That's good, man. Good job, Daniel. The third thing I want to look at is we need to grow in God, in God, love. Kelly, you can come back. I'm just about done. Philippians 1 and 9 said this. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment. We've all been given the commandment to love the Lord. We see that in Luke 20, 10, 26. He said to them, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And in verse 27, he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. God, I've been praying for my neighbor that you'd kill him because he's such a bad neighbor. Well, there's a scripture for you right there. Love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. It tells what love is and what love is not. What it does and what it doesn't do. God, with the love he loves us with, is the same love he expects us to love the unsaved that we encounter. Wow. Sometimes we get so aggravated with people, so upset with people, and think to ourselves, they don't deserve God. Can I remind all of us, look back what you were saved from. But God, in your life, what would it be like? Without God, what would your life be? If he didn't save you, 
what would your life be like? It's easy to get on that high horse and think, you know what? I've been a Christian so long. Why, why are they acting that way? Don't, don't they have any sense at all? We all get there. We're thinking, they don't have any sense at all. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be showing the love of God. We're supposed to be loving them just like God loves us. His love is genuine. His love is unconditional. His love is enduring. I preached on it. 1 John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. God even requires us to love our enemies. How can I do that? Because the love he puts in you. We can love those that want to harm you. Years ago, someone said some cutting words that was very offensive to my family. And it hurt. Desperately hurt. Somebody I held in high regard cut me to the bone. But I had a choice at that moment. I like telling the successful stories because I have a lot of them that I did what I wasn't successful at. But I had a choice. And God told me, he said, pray for him. Oh, God, I don't want to pray for him. God, I hate him. I don't want to pray for him. That's wrong. It's a lie. It didn't happen. And that's the way we get. God said, pray for him. Aren't you glad God's not like us? We just go ahead and kick people to the curb. They're done with life. If you get a chance to hit them with the car, just go ahead and do it. God's not like that. He said, pray for him. I began to pray for him. God started showing me something. It wasn't about him either. It was about me and what God could do through me. I noticed when I started getting down to pray for him, I didn't hate it anymore. I felt sorry for him now. I didn't want to feel sorry for him. I wanted to keep hating him. But I started feeling sorry for him. My prayer increased. Finally, by the time God got me where he wanted me, I had an encounter with this man again. And the love God gave me for him, I was able to walk right up to him and hug his neck and tell him, I love you. It wasn't what Drew wanted to do. It wasn't what the old man wanted to do. It was what the new creation did because I allowed God to use his love through me. I'm not perfect. I didn't share that story to let you know, oh, Pastor, he just got it all right. There's plenty of stories where I didn't get it right. But this is what God wants us to do is to love. Love. Love your enemies. Matthew 5, 43 says, You have heard that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. 
and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. We have to grow into that love. We have to grow into that love. It's only with the love of God that we can do that. It's only with the love of God that man's capable to love his enemies and treat him as God would have us treat them. Would you stand with me? Church, we got to grow in grace. We got to grow in faith. And we've got to grow in love. Hallelujah. Maybe you got one of them. Maybe you got two of them. But that third one may be something we're still working on. Or maybe it's just vice versa. You don't have the first one, you have the second, third. We need to come and have an encounter with God. God is the one, he, He's the potter. I want you to find your place to pray. Say, God, put me back on that wheel. God, I'm doing good in this series. I'm doing, I'm doing great in this. But God, I want you to put me back on that wheel. I want to grow. I want to grow in grace. I want to grow in faith. I want to grow in love.